The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. How's it going, everybody? It is the Talkin' Buds Leaf Show. We are back. We have... It's just a formality at this point. We have only three games left until the moment we've all been waiting for that you and I have been discussing since April of last year officially begins. The real season of podcast season starts. Yes. The real Game one. Yes. Everybody's fired up. Everybody's ready to go. Game that I have circled on the calendar that's still remaining is Tuesday, April 11th in Tampa. And the only reason why I say that is because I anticipate that they might rest a few guys during that game, but I still think the Lightning are going to be looking to send a message in that game. They're going to be running around trying to get in the Leafs' head. The mental warfare will officially begin. I disagree. I think both teams are going to just mail it in on their lineup choices as much as possible. See, I think the Leafs are going to do that. I don't think Tampa's going to do that. I think both teams are going to sit both their top goalies, I think. Um, Well, it depends who the backup is with the Leafs, but I don't. But Vasilevsky's already not playing. Like Brian Elliott, I'm pretty sure, has played the last two games with the Lightning. I just see them playing, both teams playing coy that game, and whatever happens, happens. Well, I have no idea what the Leafs are going to do because the – Salary cap gymnastics officially began on Saturday with the sending down of Joseph Wall and the utilization of Jet Alexander, one of the great sports names I've ever heard, as the e-bug. So the Leafs can begin to shift things around in order for... What is, in my opinion, the most hyped prospect in franchise history to potentially make his team debut over these next three games? I'm sure at some point, either later on tonight or tomorrow, we'll get some sort of notification that Matthew Nyes has officially joined the team. Um, We're not going to sit here and go through it all. There's tons of articles uh, online about it that you can find. It's really so confusing. It is really, really convoluted what they're trying to do. I'm way too stupid to understand. But again, speaks to the just the great work that Brandon Pridham and his team do in terms of man, manipulating the salary cap. And it, it really does look like we're going to get a look at Matthew Nice here in, in uh, I guess, with two of these final three games. Who's, getting, who's getting their absolute heart ripped out in that bottom six? Who's just getting crushed? Zach Aston Reese? Guy's played unbelievable since the deadline. Yeah, he's the- unbelievable. But he's like that line has been pretty good. He's been pretty good since the deadline. Like who who's got whose heart is just getting ripped out and gut punched to let some kid who who may or may not be good at hockey well, you could into also, the lineup. You could also pull like a like a like an Achari out and say, Hey, you're banged up. No, I'm talking about game one. Oh, I, don't game, give, I don't give well, a shit no, but, about but I, the see, regular season. See, I I think there's no guarantee that Nyes is in in game one. I think the rush to get he's him in here, in game one. You think he's in in game 100%. one? He's the most hyped prospect in Leaf history. He's on the first line in some people's eyes. Like, it's... He's going to be in the lineup. 
Like, but wouldn't wouldn't you think that they would want to? Why, why would they sign Matthew Nyes to come in here for the regular season to be in the press box? That makes no sense. Yeah, exactly. But I think, don't you think they want to get him in and like in these final three regular season games or at least two of them Absolutely. to just get a look at him? Like, I, I just think like throwing him out there in game. This is literally the most important playoff series in the history of this franchise and you're going to take this kid and throw him out there and hey listen may- and maybe he's the type of kid that'll thrive in that type of environment I personally don't think that's fair to him so I think the rush with the cap gymnastics is let's get a look at this kid and see if he can hang and if he can hang then yes he will how, be how you gonna learn that in three games like that is so dumb well what do you okay so if you're behind the bench what are you looking for? Nothing. You're not looking for anything. It's just you look at your organizational depth chart. You go, how much do we give a shit about Zach Aston Reese? How much do we give a shit about Matthew Nice? Oh, yeah, we give way more of a shit about Matthew Nice. So obviously, we're going to play a guy we care way more about in our franchise than some guy who's a fourth line plug for the rest of his career. That That's that's it. That's all. That's the math. You're not going to learn anything in three games. You're not. I think it's probably easier to get them in in these final three games, though, because, like I said, you could take any one of those bottom six out of the lineup, like a Nolachari, and go, you've you've been nursing an injury. Take a few games off. We need you 100% for uh, game one. You slide Nyes in there, and you're like, let's see what the kid can do. And then if he, if he looks good and he hangs and you want to start him in game one, that's when the real tough decision comes into play. Yeah, I think I think as long as if this guy has the ability to be in the lineup, he will be in the lineup and somebody else is coming out, I guarantee it. Yeah. 100%. That's all anyone's been talking about for for 3 months. So why go back on it now because he doesn't look good in three meaningless regular season games? That makes no sense. I, okay, so so would you put him out there for game 1 but then you got like a really short leash on him? Yeah, but he can't, like, how bad can he suck? Like, he can replace Nola Chari. Like, I, I know, know everybody loves Nola Chari, but the guy really does nothing at the end of the day. Like, no, you he know, brings, he brings a physical. Hey, Ryan, I haven't Ryan, seen him. Ryan, like, you, you, I will not. You and I don't disagree very much on this show. I will not stand here and let you besmirch Nola Chari. I love Nola Chari. Yeah. He's there for his physical presence. Know, He's the guy that you're going to throw out there against Maroon and Perry. I know, but like, and I is... only used him as an example in the final you're three right, games right. because he's because like give the guy some nights off. He's ner- he's clearly banged up, so give him some nights off. Well, like if you it, for Zach Aston Reese, the guy, what, he's a ten goal scorer. He's a fourth liner for most of the year. He's been useless. Like for the most part, I don't really know what this role, what he does well. Like he does throw the body sometimes. He has chipped in lately, but. Like if if Matthew Nyes is this highly touted, like we've seen prospects come in for other teams and inject themselves in a playoff series and play well because the expectation is low. And as much as the expectation is going to be high for him to be good, I think going into the most important playoff series in franchise history, it's not going to be that high. Like anything you get get from him is gravy. So it's just if this guy has the ability to be in the lineup, somebody else is coming out and he's going in. No matter where he plays, third line, fourth line, first line, power play, penalty kill, in the net, I don't care. Well, and I've said, I, I, you know, I'm sitting here talking about, you know, is it too much pressure to put on the kid? But I've also been an advocate for, you know, ignorance is bliss in these types of situations where it's like, if he just doesn't know any better, throw out there. And like I said a few weeks ago, just sit him down and go, listen, th- there is no pressure on you here. Go out there and play your game, like, and just don't worry about a thing. 
Worry about playing hockey the best of your ability. For, use your size. Forecheck. I'm sure he has skill. I've seen it. You've seen the highlights. He can score. He can pass. He can forecheck. He's going to be fine. A couple more items on the agenda today. Can we talk about to our Thursday night in Boston? Hated it. Because that was a game that a lot of people, it, it was the usual case with this fan base. There's half the fan base that says, oh, you know, playoff style environment, Bruins taking away time and space, and the stars aren't able to produce. They're not able to get to the net. They're pushing guys out of, the, like, taking away the middle of the ice. And then there was the other half of the fan base that said, relax. It's Thursday. It's a Thursday night at the end of the season. Both of these teams have clinched playoff berths. So I'm kind of I'm kind of split down the middle a little bit on it because on the one hand it's like yes I get it it's it's like one of the final games of the season everyone's trying to stay healthy I totally understand that I thought they played well for the most part like I thought that they played really well they hung in there with them but I will say I understand people who are a bit concerned about stars not being able to get to the middle of the ice and not being able to score a big goal Towards the end there. This is this, 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 I was very upset at, at the end of that game. And this is a human thing for me. Um, I get that it's the end of the year and the game means nothing. I get it. But what people don't understand about me being mad is I'm not mad because, like, I'm only pissed off because I am a Leaf fan deep down in the bottom of my soul, in the bottom of my heart. I love this franchise. I love everything about them. They're just... I will ride or die with the Leafs for the rest of my life. How can you be a human being and not be sick and tired of just being embarrassed in, in, in games like that? It's not, it's not even anything to do with Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner. Like, I don't even care about that. It's just, aren't you just sick of them going into that building and playing really well and, and that, but somehow finding a way to blow it and then losing and like, if the like we're a laughing stock, like you know, like that's what I hate. I I hate it as a Leaf fan. Like I'm just sick of going. They should have won that game one nothing. They played well that entire game, but once again, a Leaf team has to go in and blow a lead and then end up losing it in the end. And that just pisses me off as a human being because I love this franchise and I'm sick of being that team that goes in and just blows a lead in Boston again. It just pisses me off. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, throw all the stats in my, my face. I don't care. That's that. just my human being, real emotional take. Yeah, I'm we're... just tired of being like. It was just like I got over it pretty quickly, but that's why I was angry because I'm just tired of like I want them to win that game one nothing because I love the Leafs and I want to put the middle finger on every Bruins fan. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, and it's like we're right on the cusp of the postseason, and everybody's kind of like. You know what? Like, I've had a few moments where I've sat back in the last week in particular and gone, holy shit, man. Like, here we go again. Like, we're before you know it, we'll be sitting down and it's game one and, oh. But I, I want to roll this human being take into the Jet Alexander running up the score conversation. Okay, so here, before you do it, let me, let me tee that up. So, Leafs. Kick the crap out of a, a Montreal Canadiens Saturday night hockey night in Canada. The Canadians, for all intents and purposes, dressed an AHL roster. They're fully in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And uh, towards the end of the game, Sheldon Keefe, they, 
we mentioned Jet Alexander. I'd never get tired of saying the name Jet Alexander. We mentioned Jet Alexander earlier as the e-bug with about 70 seconds left in the game. Uh, apparently, word came down from upstairs to Sheldon Keefe. To put, it wasn't Keefe's decision. It, was, it came from upstairs to put Jet, Jet Alexander into the game. And then later on Twitter, all these really old hockey scribes who have nothing better to do took to their and who are trying to stay relevant quite frankly took to their twitter accounts to complain about a the leafs running up the score which is like what is is this is this minor novice house league is it, is that what we're playing here and then putting jet alexander in to rub it uh in to the montreal canadiens face that they were wiping the floor with them then after the game Chris Weidman of the Montreal Canadiens says that team will get what they deserve in a couple weeks. Here's another human being take. For all these old scribes who didn't like this and called it running up the score, since you're so old and you've been around for so long, you should know that that franchise has been kicking our ass for decades. And they eliminated from, eliminated us from the playoffs a couple years ago. The most embarrassing First round loss in the history of the franchise. They, they like all regular season. They go in there. They struggle. When you're playing the Montreal Canadiens, you run up the score. You win twenty nothing. You put in. You do everything you can to embarrass that franchise. And all those old people who've been around for so long, who've seen the Leafs get their ass kicked by that franchise for so long, should know that that, that that's an awful take. You you embarrass the Montreal Canadiens as much as you want to. Uh, and it's so it's so um if you look at the 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 um the writers that are tweeting this, it's so anti-leaf bias. If if any other team did this, all these same guys would be sitting here going, "Wow, what an incredible gesture to let the young guy come in and finish the game out." But because it's the Leafs, and because all of you are trying to stay relevant, you take to your Twitter account and you 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 spout off about cl- that's my classless. That's my favorite classless. Shut like, up. These are professional. This is not minor novice house league. Also, th- did you look at the Montreal Canadiens roster on Saturday night? They are full on in tank for Bedard. Are we going to talk about them being classless? Are we going to talk about a team that's purposely going out of their way to lose? Is that because all you all you old scribes, you, you apparently hate that too, but we're not going to mention that. We're going to talk about how classless it is to let Jet Alexander from U of T play 70 seconds of a hockey game that is completely out of reach. It's I absurd. Loved it. It's absurd. Ridiculous take. Yeah, I, I'm. That, that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on. You want to talk about Eric Gustafson? I gotta calm down a little bit after those last. Yeah, that takes. was that was if you can tell that was like a pro wrestling style promo that, that you just was cut. that that I just wanted to get my Leaf fandom across. And sometimes we're not always trying to be the smartest guy in the room. We're just well, emotional it's, it's, fans that want to see our team stop getting embarrassed by these certain franchises. Well, that's also a way to push back. Like we get a lot of people commenting on our videos and on our TikToks and about how we're negative. And it's like, no, we're not. We're realistic. Like, like, look, we've got literally a, a, a shrine to this team here. Our, our podcast is called the talking buds leaf show. It's like, sorry. Like if you're coming here and you just want to listen to, to two guys sitting here uh, being like waving pom poms and cheering, you're, you've come to the wrong show. 
But we don't hide the fact that we are full-blown Toronto Maple Leaf diehards. We're also not idiots. Well, uh, well it's just what, some, you know, sometimes that's you come on, you have we, bad takes or whatever. Idiots, yeah. And this next take is is really going to hurt me deep down inside because I'm also a diehard fan of Morgan Riley. I always have been. I, I love him, like, beyond. Like, I, I've always been his biggest fan. But Eric Gustafson gets three points against, I, again, a brutal Montreal team or whatever. But it was nice to see him get back in the lineup. And I just... Even though like they they do have a top rated power play, but I I seeing Gustafson out there on the power play, it does make me think that maybe you want to throw him out there in an important game to see what happens. And I know if you look at the D, like Gustafson's kind of out, like he's not really in because you have Luke Shen in there for that physical element. But I could also make the argument that having someone out there who could potentially help your power play score a big goal in a big game is more important than somebody clearing out the front of your net sometimes. And sometimes if he sucks on the power play, then like, yeah, I love Luke Shen and they're clearing out the front of the net. But Morgan Riley is just sometimes on the power play. I think he makes a little, he make he takes a little too long to make decisions. And I, sometimes I wouldn't mind seeing another look out there. Like, just like they did with Nylander. Nylander was yeah. gone. O'Reilly was, was out there. We're gonna, I, wanna, I wanted to get to Ryan O'Reilly, but finish your point about Like, so yeah. it's just, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they have a top-rated power play. If you want to say, no, we're going to keep Riley out there because look how successful we've been, then you, you do that. But I like how they took Nylander off. I like how they put O'Reilly out there. And I wouldn't mind seeing Eric Gustafson, who's proven on Washington that he can be on the power play and contribute that maybe... He might be a better option out there at the top to make quicker decisions and shoot the puck a little bit more. Hit the net. Yeah. Hit the net. All right. I'm going to do my best job here of stating the obvious. Man, I love the look of this team when Ryan O'Reilly is out. He just brings a whole other element and feel to the team when he's out there. I just, if there's one main thing that's making me feel supremely confident heading into this first round series against the lightning. It's the inclusion of a Ryan O'Reilly and what that does to their top six. What do you think of the second line? They're, they're currently deploying right now of O'Reilly in the middle with Tavares and Nylander on the wing. I want it permanent. Yeah. I don't want Ryan O'Reilly on the third line. I don't, I get it. You want depth, but that one game he was playing center on the third line against the Bruins. He's out there with Kerfoot and yeah, it's it's kind who, of, who was in Achari. Like it's like at that point, it's. I think he's more valuable in your lineup if he's up in the top six I playing think he makes with the John better Tavares guys. Better, yes. Like John, I think John Tavares looks better with Ryan O'Reilly on the ice because without Ryan O'Reilly on the ice, John Tavares hasn't been that good five on five. Good, good power play guy, but it's just. I, I like Ryan O'Reilly on that line. He got again three assists against the Habs. Like, I, I'd keep him on that line. You you can that I like that Camp Lafferty Aston Reese line. Even though we were talking about Nyes replacing Aston Reese, but like that line looked good as like a line that can give you some energy or whatever. Like I don't know if you need that shut down line. Like your your top line should be better than their top line if they're going head to head. And I, I I like Ryan O'Reilly on the second line. Well, and we've talked about John Tavares a lot and. Like he he has struggled a bit five on five, and w- w- I do think he's at the point in his career where 
moving him to the wing, taking away some of his responsibility when he's out there and giving it to a Ryan O'Reilly is, is better for everyone involved. Like, I don't see the downside here. This, the idea, and also, Sheldon Keefe has a track record of throwing everything into a blender. Who's to say, like, just because he starts the game with that second line does not mean O'Reilly won't be out there in a situation where, where they need to shut down Tampa's top guys. Like, it's what... That is fully going to happen. I just, I'm not going to get married to. I think that, like, the combo that I think we need to hone in on the most is obviously Matthews and Marner because they're the two best players. And Matthews clearly, he cannot be. He he's, he looked exposed with Yard. I know Yardcroak was dealing with an injury and eventually came out of the lineup, but he looked exposed with him and Bunting against Boston. I think that first line of of those those three is something that like really keep an eye on in, ter- in terms of Sheldon, what Sheldon is doing and if he's moving them around. But if you go lines two, three, and four, throw them all out there, throw out every combination, do what you need to do, especially when you're at home and you can get last change and get your matchups out there. Like do, do whatever it is you got to do. Like I'm not going to get too, too worried about it. If you're looking to create opportunities, I, I put Ryan O'Reilly on that second line. If you're up and you're looking for more shutdown play, then maybe you consider putting him out there by himself with a couple other dudes who can skate. I don't know. Like, just, I, I just think he makes that second line better, obviously, because he's a great hockey player. Do you feel better going in this year if you look at, like, the bottom six combinations? Like, if you, if you look at the Lightning's bottom six, you know, it was Corey Perry, who he's, this is playing the Leafs again in the first round, third year in a row going up against Corey Perry. Got Pat Maroon, Sorelli, Killorn, like Belmar. Like, if you look at the bottom six options for the Leafs now going up against that, how do you feel? I don't know. I, I really, I like. There's some names that like Alex Killorn on the third line. Like, if he if he's on the third line, that's the best like bottom six player in the series. Like, I I think, but I I think they're pretty evenly matched. I do. I I do. I think. I think the Leafs might be deeper with Ryan O'Reilly added for sure. But like the top line is the top line. Like that's a great top line. Like Kucherov has 110 points. Braden point has almost 50 goals. Stamkos is Stamkos. Like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, they have to be better than those guys. Like they have to. And I just, I think they're an evenly matched team. Do you like, and so you like the matchup. So if you're, if you're just specifically matching up, lines you've got Nick Paul Brandon Hagel and Ross Colton as the lightning second line against what we just talked about O'Reilly Tavares and Nylander yeah I guess I I don't know I'm not I'm not a big line match guy like it's not my strong suit as someone who watches hockey like I I I think you could have all the best laid plans going into a game and then a couple shifts in you'd be like this sucks I gotta change this up like if I was on the bench that's what I would do and I, I would have a quick trigger with the matchups so my theme today in this episode is stating the obvious, so I'd like to do so again. I think if you look at this series, it's really going to come down to Elias Samsonov against Vasilevsky, and I don't think anyone is sitting here saying that Samsonov needs to go out there and, and be as good as Vasilevsky, but hold your team in it, which he's done all season, and we need a, and they need him to do it again in the first round. And then you look at the top lines. Can the top line produce going out against Tampa's top line? And then you look at what we just talked about, the bottom six. Can somebody score a big goal? Like like you look at Nick Paul who last year. Like is that something like Ken, Ken Nolachari, Ken Sam Lafferty, Ken, Ken Kerfoot, 
Oh, for the love of God, Alex Kerfoot. Can a can an Aston Reese if he plays a Nice a Camp like they cl- they went out and they they got a guy like Sam Lafferty and they got and they moved out a Pierre Engvall because they believe that when you're in these kind of tight playoff games, and I know this is polarizing and not everyone agrees with this, but they believe when you're in these type games, having a guy who plays with a bit more edge and can get to the front of the net and finish a check like a Lafferty is more valuable than a Pierre Engvall. The Leafs with their roster last year could have won that series. Like, that's as simple as that. So is this roster better than last year? Like, yeah, I would say so. So they should be able to win again. I don't think Elias Samsonov, unless he gets hurt, but I don't think he's going to suck. Like, he's going to give them a chance to win. I, Vasilevsky scares me in game seven, but he doesn't scare me game one through six. That, like, so I, they can do it. They can beat this team. Like, we can go through all the matchups. We can go through all the players. Like, you look at the regular season. The Leafs have one less game play, but they basically have the same amount of wins. Like, it's just, these are two very good, evenly matched hockey teams. Leafs can win this series. It's just, are they going to, like, they just get in their own, are they going to just do what they always do and just lose again? Like, who knows? But they can beat this team. I know they can. They need a bounce to go their way. They need someone to push through. They need someone to score a big goal. They need, they just. They need a big power play goal. Yes. In, in, in a big game. Like, yeah. And they need a bottom six guy to score. And like, yeah, like, it's just, I don't know. We're, uh, we're, we're going to see. We're going to find out. Yep. How um, did your heart stop when Samsonov was laboring a little bit in the in the Montreal game? Not like playoff stop. My it stopped for Jed Alexander. I was like, this guy's probably shitting his pants <laughs> right yeah, now. Yeah, he's going. Yeah, because I was like halfway through the first period. And what was the score then? It was only like two, three, one. Yeah, I think I think it was halfway through the second. But he he was that kid was literally and O'Reilly was like beside him on the bench, like being like, probably going in, man. And this he was probably he needed a new pair of long johns under, after he saw Samsonov being laboring. Can we just take a moment here on we we talked about him a lot last year. We haven't really talked about him a lot this year um because there just hasn't been a ton of reason to, but can we just take a moment here on the Talking Buds Leave show to just do, do a tip of the cap to Wayne Simmons. This guy he's been in and out of the lineup all year. He's been, he's he's been a warrior. He's out practicing with them. He's gone down to the AHL at times. He's every time he's out there, he's in in the scrum sticking up for his teammates and it's just I I have nothing but respect for Wayne Simmons and how he's conducted himself this year in 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 this environment where he hasn't had he hasn't been a regular in the lineup. I tip my cap to him. And yeah, he's undefeated throwing hands. Yeah, he is. He's he's knocked a couple of guys on his ass this year. Would you potentially look at I know like I don't know obviously the next question is who comes out. But yeah, yeah. Would just... you would you consider like I don't know. Like are the Lightning a team that you really need that Wayne Simmons factor? Like I could see potentially maybe maybe Boston, but do you need Wayne Simmons out there? there there's nobody who can drop the gloves on Tampa Bay that yeah. scares me. I'm sorry. Patrick Maroon does not scare me. Well, and that's the thing about having like if it comes to that, you've got Achari who will drop drop the mitts, you got Shen who will drop the mitts. Like yeah. like you've got it's if you Even need Boston, it, it's there. man. Like yeah. like like Lafferty fought what's this Greer like, you know, like Big Z's gone. Yeah. Like they, you know, like they I feel like they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Achari can Ivan he hasn't dropped the mitts yet, but if you look at his nose, you can clearly tell this guy's 
He's fought in the NHL, <laughs> <laughs> and then Luke Shen's always in somebody's face. That so. thing, that thing's been straightened a few times oh, in his day. It's still, it's permanently needs straightening. So, we will be back this week if a development happens with Matthew Nyes. If that if that doesn't end up happening, then I think we're gonna lay back and we're gonna let the playoffs start, let the season finish out here, and then we're gonna be back for Game One against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We will be doing post-game shows for every Toronto Maple Leafs playoff game. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button below right now. Leave a little comment. Leave a little review. This is the best time of year. Anyone who puts out Leaf content knows that. So anyone, bring it on. We're, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and hopefully they can... Um, just like the home gates, the Scotiabank home gates... Want a second round podcast? Want a, a second, second round, round desperately? So we can get some more people in the building for our YouTube channel. Absolutely. So once again, if you haven't liked and subscribed, even if you're listening to the audio version, make sure you do so. We will have post game shows after every Toronto Maple Leaf playoff game. We'll, we'll also, I think, during these two, we'll 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 take a look around at some of the other series as well. We're done, we're not like obviously we're predominantly Leaf show, but we'll talk about what's going on. Yeah, some of the other first round series. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Hit the like and subscribe. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We'll catch you guys next time. Hey, listeners. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.